Man, we gonna have a lot of fun tonight in Vancouver, all my real fans. How's it going? Sipping on a 40. Shout out to SB Nation. Shout out to Nux Misconduct. Get the network. Wherever you get your network. Wherever you listen to podcasts. The Nux Misconduct Network. Hey, shout out to Quinn Hughes. Topic of conversation. The, the only real topic of conversation. I want you guys to relax. We talked about it in the last episode. It's game two. Chill the fuck out. Look at the positives. Maybe it's the weed. I don't know, but look at the positives. Quinn Hughes, he's on your team. The Vancouver Canucks, for the first time in 50 years, they got one. They got one. It took them 50 years. Could you imagine if it took you, hey, if it took you 50 years to eat your first chocolate bar, huh? It would suck, right? Could you imagine if it took you 50 years? 50 years. It's a long time, man. My mom was racing there. Your mom was racing there too. <laughs> hey, 50 years is a long time. It's hard to imagine what you wouldn't do in that amount of time. A lot of time. And the Canucks finally, finally have a defenseman. Ridiculous. Hockey fans are crazy in the city. And that's one of the reasons. Why did it take 50 years? Disgrace. Last time I checked, this city is in Canada. Disgrace. Speaking of crazy Canuck fans, at the end of the episode, an episode that I should wait, hold up, man. You're doing a fucking podcast on the Nux Misconduct Network, okay? You gotta mention the fact that you got a guest on the show today. Come on, man. David. David Quadrelli. I think I'm saying that right. The Canucks way. The hockey writers. He's on the show. And he spoke about Quinn Hughes. We talked about the minutes. He's playing a lot of them. And David, he dropped, he dropped the word Carlson, the name Carlson. I didn't say it, he said it. I'll say that again. I didn't say it. Kyle Bowen did not say that. David Quadrelli, he dropped the word Carlson. Damn, bold, bold. In one week, one person said that Quinn Hughes is the best Canuck defenseman of all time and another already threw in Carlson. Wow. No pressure, no pressure. Hey, no pressure by Travis Green too. He's not feeling it. He knows that Quinn Hughes can handle this. That's the thing, all right? Don't be scared to put these expectations on the kid. It's gonna happen. It happens with greatness. It happens with greatness. You're telling me that there are other players like Quinn Hughes? Nah, come on. He can handle it. Look how he handles himself in the press. He says the right things. He's a fucking gamer. Go find that audio. Whoever has that, whoever has that audio of... Was it Quinn or was it Jeff Patterson talking about what Quinn said? I'm not sure if it actually came from came from the mouth of Quinn on recording. But, but it talked about how Quinn Hughes didn't want to mention how McDavid was good live on air or live, live while getting recorded. Because he didn't want to put it out there. He, he didn't want to wish upon anything. He just he just leveled it out. He didn't give a fuck that he had to go against McDavid. Nah, man. Gamer. And yeah, he got burned. He got burned. 
McDavid's going to do that to almost any player in this league. The rookie got burned. But shortly after, Travis Green put him back on the ice. <laughs> and the dude went after McDavid with the puck. Challenged him. He's not scared. He's a rookie. He's the best Canuck defenseman of all time. And David Quadrelli. And I talk about it. And I talk about it. At the end of the episode, we'll also, we'll also, we'll also, we'll also keep telling the tale, the tale, the tale of the Canucks, man. Speaking of crazy fans, we're reading part nine. Vancouver's hockey fans. A ramban, how do you say this word? A rambunctious history. We'll say that again. Vancouver hockey fans. A rambunctious history. End of the episode. Before we get to, before we get to all that. All right, cut the music, cut the music, cut the music, cut the music, all right? Cut the fucking music. We got to bring back Benning Bros. <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? Where are you guys at? Where are you guys at? I am your brother, your best friend forever. Benning Bros, my favorite segment on sipping on a 40, even though I've only done it once. But it's my favorite. I will say, though, I got no juice. I got no juice. If I'm using Benning Bros on the show, the only thing I see is the other side winning. The Benning Bros, it's like they gave up that quick. Let me fucking tell you something. I need some juice for the segment, all right? You guys going to give up that easy? Your boy just got a three-year extension, and you guys going to give up that that easy? The segment needs it. The fans need it. Benny needs it. But how much fun? How much fun are the other side having? Holy. Incredible. I, I say a lot of things twice, and I'm going to say this again. Hashtag Benning Bros. The greatest thing in the world of North American Twitter. In the genre of sports. Okay, come on. Benning Bros, seriously? First of all, hilarious. Second of all, so Vancouver. Third, it, the team's just... The team's been so bad for so many years. And over an offseason where, where, where the team didn't do anything really different. The fans who are so sick and tired of, of seeing this losing were like, fuck it. I'm so tired of being negative about my team. I'm just going to cheer for everything. I'm going to become a fan of the organization, the managers, the people in charge of this fucking, of this damn dumpster fire. And I'm going to become a Benning bro. That's what kind of happened. That's what, that's what it seems like. I'm not hating. I'm just saying facts. And, and I'm just watching this from afar. I, yo, come on. You don't think I want to see the Vancouver Canucks win some games? You know, the stories would be different. The conversation would be different. Everyone likes new conversation. Yeah, I want to see the Canucks do well. Do I believe in the management? I don't know. <laughs> no. What do you mean I don't know? No. How could I? How could I? I'm not a betting bro. I'm also not completely on the other side too. I'm just, I'm just fascinated, okay? All I'm saying though, enough with the personal shit. All I'm saying is, if this segment is going to survive, how could you guys give up this early? 
It's two games. No juice. No fire. Get something. Get something. I know. Hey, fair enough. In the world of sports, wins matter. I know your team's not winning. Your your betting bro boat is not winning. Not leading the race. But fight harder. Don't give up just yet. Make it entertaining. I don't even know exactly what I'm going to do with this segment. I know it's going to be... uh. <laughs> Come on, betting bros, seriously? Hilarious. Vancouver fans, crazy. Crazy. Let's get to that uh, Let's get to that interview, though, okay? David Quadrelli, once again, the Canucks way, the hockey riders, and a dude who eats nachos for dinner. Shout out to David. Pick up the phone, baby. All right, sipping on a 40. We got David Quadrelli. I think I'm saying that right. Canucks way, the you hockey are. riders. That's good. I'm glad, man. A lot of a lot of interesting names out there in the Canucks universe. Quadrelli, nice name. Italian? Are you Italian? Yes, I am. Yeah. Hey, hey, I, I met a couple Italian Canuck fans recently. Had someone in the studio too from, uh, you know, an Italian descent. How's your Monday going? How were those nachos? Oh, really good. That was that was perfect. Just right right before getting into this, it was perfect to have that plate of nachos. Hey, okay, so you got to tell me, what do you put on your nachos? Are you just simple? And do you put them in the microwave or do you put them in the oven? Today it was microwave. I was in a bit of a pinch. Just wanted to have a quick dinner. Uh, definitely sour cream and some guacamole. Uh, today it was actually sour cream. Hey, I like it, man. Nachos for dinner. You you live in, you live in a good life, bro. Yeah, I'm going to go have some gelato after this is done. And yeah, that's Ooh, my plan. Yo, real Italian. I like that, man. I like that. David Quadrelli, once again from the Hockey Riders and... The Canucks way, I believe I'm saying that right. And I want to start off with something you wrote on the Hockey Riders, and it and it gets me excited because it's about Quinn Hughes. And you wrote it before the season started. You wrote an article called "Quinn Hughes is here and ready to change the Canucks." And I'm telling you, that's a fact. Is Quinn Hughes actually going to change the Canucks? Yeah, you know what? I was actually talking about this with Chris Faber, um, Canucks conversation, Canucks Army. I uh, was just talking to him about it, and we were both talking about, while I was on his podcast, that there's there's not much Quinn Hughes hype. We weren't seeing much of it during the summer. And I was looking at it, and I realized that there should be a lot more. Because Max. the Canucks needed someone. The whole mar- This market really needed someone like Quinn Hughes. We've never had a defenseman like him. You hear it all the time. Max. But if you look at it, especially what he, what he did in those games he played at the end of the year, his carryouts and everything else he, he accomplished in that short period of time just kind of tell you that he's going to have a similar impact to the one we saw from Elias Pettersson last year with the Canucks whoa. Uh, that he had on the Canucks. And I think Quinn Hughes is going to have a similar impact. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's bold, bro. But I like it. And yeah, that's exciting. yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I, you know, when you watch Quinn Hughes, and, and you, I've only seen a couple games this year of Quinn Hughes, the latter half of last year, uh, they're using Quinn Hughes a lot. They're showcasing him to the fans, and, and you got to be excited. I know the Canucks are off to an zero and two start, but you know you compared that Quinn Hughes could have a similar impact to EP forty, and I'm thinking the same thing, dude. That guy is that guy's filthy. Quinn Hughes is a filthy player, man. Yeah, no, for sure. I uh, yeah, I think you're right. Like Quinn Hughes logged uh, twenty plus minutes in both games he's played so far. Uh, that's that's not that's not something you see from Travis Green usually, especially with young players and especially with young defensemen. Um, trusting trusting a young defenseman it just shows you how much trust Travis Green actually has in Quinn Hughes, 
and just what kind of player he thinks Quinn Hughes can be. And do you see that continuing, though? I mean, we're talking about a, a rookie defenseman who, you know, I don't know if, I guess it's an overused term and you can't even use it in, in today's NHL, a bit undersized. Again, rookie defenseman, he's being used a lot. Do you see that continuing? Well, you know what? He has gotten dumped a few times. Uh, there was the, the one that sticks out is the one in Edmonton. Uh, Leon Dreisettle, I think it was, was coming mm-hmm. up the wall. And Quinn Hughes was leaning up against them. And Dreisettle kind of swatted him away like nothing. And th- that was something that a lot of people who uh, who don't agree with my Quinn Hughes stance messaged me and were like, oh, did you see that? Your boy Quinn got dumped. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's going to happen. And there's going to be some defensive miscues. But I was just talking about it with actually my uncle. We were just talking about it, and uh, he was he he's he's not as sold on Quinn Hughes as I am. Uh, he he proposed that Quinn Hughes isn't much of an actual defender, and that he turns over the puck too much, and he's gonna be he's gonna be a liability because he's gonna skate up and leave his partner stranded because he turns over the puck in the offensive zone, and he's already deep in the zone. And what I said to him was, yeah, but you know who else turned over the puck a lot was Michael Del Zotto. Eric Branson, Derek all Leon. these guys we've had in yeah, past exactly. years. And I know that's setting the bar very low, but Quinn Hughes is going to make his mistakes. He's 19, and I think Canucks fans are a little too quick to dump on the 19-year-old defenseman who's having such an impact in the offensive zone and controlling the puck, controlling the play so well. I think Canucks fans are a little too quick to, to jump on him for every mistake he makes. Of course. If you're a Canucks fan out there and you're, and you're jumping on Quinn Hughes and you're just ridiculing him over, you know, those mistakes. And, and yeah, they're, they're mistakes. Turnovers, you can't even call them little mistakes. They're, they're big mistakes. But you got to keep in mind that this organization has never, never had a player like Quinn Hughes. Appreciate the times. And again, you, you mentioned it. 19 years old. The dude's young. Not only does he look young, he's actually still a kid. But he's able to play upwards of 20 minutes a game. Again, only the first two two games. And he's able to do whatever he wants with the puck. If there's one player or two, if you want, to compare to Quinn Hughes in your lifetime of watching hockey, who would those players be? Sorry, say that last part again. If you could compare Quinn Hughes to, to another player that you've seen in your lifetime, who would it be? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Because um, he's different. Well, you know he's different, right? This guy's a little different. Is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to actually find a comparable because uh, just the way he skates and the way he moves the puck, we haven't seen too much of his shot yet. Mm-hmm. And I know his shot isn't as highly touted as his skating abilities. I'm just trying to think of another defenseman who's who has his, his abilities to turn on a dime and mm-hmm. just like what we've seen. And one person I've heard people compare him to is Eric Carlson. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I think Eric Carlson, um, just the way he plays, he really dictates the play and drives the play. Whereas I think Quinn Hughes is going to drive the play up the ice, but the play is not going to run through Quinn Hughes. It's still going to run through the Canucks skilled forward. That being said, I do think Quinn Hughes is going to play the cycle game that the Canucks like to play perfectly. And I think, yeah, I just think he's going to be a great player, but for a comparable, um, it's I, don't, I don't even think I could name one. I don't think it would do him do that player or Quinn Hughes any justice, but yeah, Eric Carlson's one I've heard people compare him to. I'm not sure if I fully agree with that one, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, I see I see Carlson and I see Hughes, and the comparison I make between them is that they're they're risk takers. You know, they want to make plays. I don't think they look the same on the ice. I think they just take the same amount of risks. Like they want to they want to push the puck up the ice. They want to make plays. They want to get grade A scoring chances. And you talked about Quinn Hughes in his cycle game. It, 
again, we're talking about a defenseman, man. And he's doing things, again, never seen before in a Canucks uniform. Now, I'm going to put you right on the spot. I didn't prepare you for this, but I want you to name me the top five Canuck defensemen of all time, okay? So can you do that for me? Top sure. five Canuck, yeah. Canucks defensemen of all time. And then at the end of it, we're going to compare them to Quinn Hughes. And, you know, right now on this program, I'm saying it all the time. Quinn Hughes is already the best Canucks defenseman of all time. What are your top five? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. Sorry, you're saying that Quinn Hughes is already the best Canucks defenseman of all time? I'm saying it, man. We're talking about a history. 50 years in this league, and they've never— You can arguably arguably say that they never really had a legitimate number two defenseman. Like it's a it's a bubble. Like I, I don't I look at I look at the list that I've made and it's got Edler, I got Olin, I got Lume, I got Jovanovski. I mean, you could put Erhoff, Bieksa. Who's going to get that fifth spot? You know, all these players. And I'm looking at Quinn Hughes, and I'm like, yeah, this guy is the best Canucks defenseman of all time. We've never okay, had a player okay. like him. You know what? I totally agree with you on the sense that we've never had a player like him. I don't personally. I don't think we can give him the best of all time. Like, if you're making a top five list, which I'm about to do. And you put Quinn Hughes number one. I don't. I don't know how you can answer to that. That's gonna. That's a, that's a very bold statement. Hey, that, it's bold. That you're making, it's sipping on a forty, that. baby. That's what we do here, man. Sipping on a forty, we make bold takes. But I think I'm right. Quinn Hughes, best Canucks defenseman of all time. Come at me. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Fair enough. Yeah. But if you want, if you want my top five. Uh, okay. Well, Matthias Olin's number one. Uh, Jovo's number two. Jovo. Uh, way before my time, but Lumet's number three. I guess you put Edler four, and then five is the crap dude. There's like Yaksa you could put. There's yeah, there's there's tons of people that could be there. Sammy Salo comes to mind. Doug Lister. Mm-hmm. There you I go. say I actually yeah I say Doug Lister number five. Again, way before my time. <laughs> There you go. You got David Quadrelli's top five list. And, and you you named similar players that I did on, on my list. And I keep going back to the fact that if you show that list to, around the league to other fan bases, there's no legitimate top defenseman on that list. There's not no like there's not a top pairing guy. There's a complimentary piece on, like, there. Maybe like a guy that fits well with the number one guy, but there's not a number one guy. Now, Quinn Hughes, again, a long ways to go. And, and I'll say it one last time. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what anyone says. Quinn Hughes, the best Canucks defenseman of all time. And I do feel like, you know, if I'm saying it right now, I think that people will say it at the end of this year or end of next year because it's been that bleak in the back end for the Canucks for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm going to put you on the spot, though. Go ahead. Do you think Quinn Hughes can not only win the Calder this year, but do you think he can win a, win a Norris trophy later in his career? Mm, that's a good question, man. That's a good question. Now, the ceiling isn't that high to be the best Canucks defensive of all time, but to win a Norris, is a, it's a, that's a different question. That's an elite, elite brass. I mean, where the game is going, how much are voters going to actually look towards the defensive side of things? I, I get it. You're a defenseman, but the game is changing so much. I mean, who knows what Quinn Hughes is going to do in his career? It, Maybe this is over the top, but you you compared Quinn Hughes to Elias Pettersson. I mean, there's a slight chance that Quinn Hughes can be somewhat of a generational type of player. We couldn't even compare him to nobody, you know? We couldn't even do yeah, that. Yeah, you know what? You're right. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah, okay, yeah. let's carry on a, a little bit more Quinn Hughes talk when it comes to this question. I, I want your ideal power play unit number one. I mean, there's been a lot of controversy. I know it's been two games. Josh Levo on that unit. 
as the bumper dude or, or whatever he does on that unit. Uh, what do you want the Canucks to do with their top top power play unit? Well, I think based on what Travis said yesterday, uh, yesterday's uh, skate or practice or whatever it was that they did, um, I, I do think we're going to see Quinn Hughes on that unit soon. And I do believe that it was warranted that Travis Green start Edler on power play number one. But obviously that hasn't worked. I believe the Canucks have had 10 chances so far this year, and they haven't converted on any of them. That's a problem, especially when you've got Elias Patterson and Brock Besser on the sides there. You've, you've got too good of personnel to not score any power play goals through 10 opportunities. It's just, there's not, there's not an excuse for it. So I do think we're going to see Hughes. Now, my top five, or my, sorry, my power play unit. I would have Quinn Hughes on the left point, or the right point, because it was one piece. And then I'd have Brock Besser on the other point. You've got Pedersen on the wing. You've got Horvat there. And then that last spot can be occupied by, like, uh, JT Miller and that front presence. I wouldn't say Michael Furland. For now, I would just say you load up that first unit because mm-hmm. you got to, I don't know, they're, they're looking, obviously, they've put more of a focus on having two balanced units. But I think there's something to be said about having a loaded top unit that just goes out and you know they have a good chance of scoring almost every time they go out there and teams really don't want to take a penalty against them. I could come back to bite them if the first unit is just coming off a huge shift and then they have to put out a second unit. But honestly, it can't get any worse than what they were putting out for a second unit last year. And I just think with the personnel they have, they have the right people that they can make this a success. Oh, no, I, I hear you too. And it's it's one of those things that, that does really confuse me about about the start of the season. Like, why are we seeing parts of three lines on the first power play unit? I mean, you look across the league and you look at the top units. I mean, I'm not sure how how they deploy their lines five on five. I'm not watching every team in the league. But when you look at highlight packages and you look at power play goals, I mean, you're looking at the top units from Tampa Bay, Colorado, uh, Washington. It, it looks like they're just loading up. They're loading up their top yeah, end talent. Too. Yeah, Toronto as well. And, and Toronto's power play is just... I mean, if you have John Tavares as your front man on the power play, I mean, around the league, you, all, you always look for a big guy, a gritty guy, just some, some guy that can screen the goaltender. You got John Tavares up there. And, I mean, you, you brought up JT Miller, Bo Horvat. They're no John Tavares, but that's what we're kind of looking for, some guy in that front, front of the net that, that has some skill, too, that can make some plays. So a lot of work to be done on that top unit. I agree with you. Stack it up. Just stack it up. Get it going. Yeah, just play him for the full two minutes even. You know what I mean? Like, hey. I remember there was a one of those final pack casts. Um, J-Pad and Bosch were talking about an interaction they had with Travis Green about how they, they kind of asked him. I think it was off the record. They kind of asked him, what do you uh, what do you think of just putting out the, the first unit for the whole two minutes? And like, why don't you just do that? And I remember them saying that Travis Green kind of gave them an answer, like, okay, you guys don't even understand how hockey works. But I think there's something to be said about that. You put the put the first unit out for full two minutes. Who cares if they're tired? They're still going to be better than whatever your second unit's looking like, most likely. Hey, true, man, true. And, <laughs> I mean, I, it, it just goes back to Josh Levo. I mean, we traded Michael Carcone for the guy. I got nothing against Levo, but uh, we're talking about a team that, that – that paid a first-round pick to get JT Miller, that spent to the cap. I'm sorry. Fans are expecting more from, from their top unit. They don't want to see Josh Levo up there. I'm just saying. <laughs> they don't want no more Josh Levo on a top power play unit. Hey, prove me wrong if you want to prove me wrong, but 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 things definitely got to change. Uh, on your latest article, well, one of your latest articles on uh, the Canucks way, you wrote the post-game report 
for the game against the the Flames. You you talked about the top six. I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Give me your top yeah, no six. Worries. Who's playing with Bezer and Pedersen, and who's playing with Horvat? What do you think is gonna work? Well, out? I don't know. Obviously, you have read that article. So yeah. in it, I wrote uh, I wrote that um, something needs to change because the top six needs to get going. Something's got to change. Yeah. Pedersen and Besser need to start scoring. The Canucks aren't going to win games if their scorers aren't scoring. And that's exactly what we've seen the first two games. Tanner Pearson's the only top six forward with a goal through mm-hmm. this part of, through two games. He's the only top six forward with a goal. He looks good. And he looks good, goal, too. Yeah, his goal was originally Tyler, Tyler Myers. Myers' goal. Though. It was just a tip. It was like he, he hardly got a stick on it. They had to like really zoom in the camera to figure out if it was Tanner Pearson's goal. So... He is the only top six forward with a goal, and that needs to change. Something in the top six had to change. I haven't liked what I've seen from Petey and Beth, if I'm being quite honest with you. Hey, and I honest. do think that's not solely on them, and it's not solely on Michael Furlan. But I think something needed to change on that line. And the obvious obvious choice is switching J.C. Miller and Michael Furland spots. So you put Furlan on the second line alongside Horvat and Pearson. You put Miller on the first with Pedersen and Besser which is what I suggested, and as I wrote like yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago, I can't remember, but uh, it appears that the Canucks are actually going to go with that. Because, um, you know, Travis always tells us not to put too much thought into what they do like at the practices, but then you see, most of the time that he changes it up, that's what he's going with in the game, and that he's a coach who likes to practice, or likes to play, or practice how he plays, sorry. So he usually keeps the line rushes, to what they're going to be in the next game. And it wouldn't surprise me if they see Miller uh, alongside Patterson and Besser. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Change is coming. I mean, they're doing it in practice. Again, Tanner Pearson, the only forward with the, the goal in the top six unit. Change is coming. Uh, who would have thought, too, you know, the the whole offseason, especially when they got JT Miller, they just penciled him in with Horvat. It was like a little calming place for Horvat, knowing that he'll have a line mate forever and we're two games in and it's already switching up uh last question on Bo Horvat looks like he's getting the captaincy I guess is he is he the right guy it's such an easy question but but what do you look for in a captain in today's NHL well you know what something I think not a lot of people are talking about call me old school whatever but uh I, I think a captain should be able to fight and oh. I've seen Horvat fight before. Oh, I he like it. Olachari in Boston when he laid a questionable hit. I like um, it, man. David's bringing up the fights, man. I like it. Good old Canadian <laughs> boy, old school mentality. Hey, man, I like yeah, it, man. I no, like it. Why not? I, yeah, you know what? You see, even like, what, two days ago, Crosby fought Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yep. It made national headlines. That was yep. Crosby's seventh fight of his career. Um, Seven. You, you having a captain who can who can drop the gloves every now and then I think is an underrated aspect. I'm just I'm just spitballing here. But, hey, you're um, not spitballing. Hey, it is what it is. You know, people want to say what they want about fighting. It's it's going down, but it's still part. Say what you want. Read all the books. Read read the history about hockey. It's it's part of the game. And you just mentioned it. Sidney Crosby, the fucking role model of the NHL, cliche hockey dude, got into a second scrap. Captain of the Penguins. It, say what you want, man. Don't don't sugarcoat yeah. it. Hey, and I even look at like a Jamie Ben in Dallas, and he's he's really not afraid to drop the gloves. And what comes to mind is his fight with Triampkin. Triampkin laid a questionable hit on one of uh, Ben's line mates, and he went after him right away. And you know, obviously that that one that fight in particular that I'm talking about caught Triampkin by surprise. But my point being is that uh, having a captain who can fight is 
kind of something that's underrated, I think, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about it, and I think they should be. I think Horvat's the right man for the job, and uh, you can you can say whatever you want about like why he's the right man for the job. Uh, I think one of those reasons is that he can fight. Damn, that you know that's the first time I've I've heard that take about Horvat. I mean, you hear all the other things about him answering questions and and blah blah blah. Been around the team for a long time. Here's the thing about Horvat. He's getting to see no matter what. But I'm not really paying attention to any post game scrums with Bo Horvat. He's boring, but he's a captain. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm being honest. The guy just he's a cliche hockey player. He's he's bound to be the captain of his team, and you you like him because he's a potential fighter. I like that. Bo Horvat, the next yeah. captain of your Vancouver Canucks. Yo, David, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you come back. I like your takes. Hey, shout out to Na- this guy ate nachos for dinner. Good guy, David. I like it. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it was a blast. No problem. Okay, that was uh, that was David. Quandrelli, the Canucks way. Hockey riders. We'll catch you on the other side. Shout out to David. The dude comes in eating nachos and then then starts spitting fire, okay? He said Carlson first, remember? He said Carlson first. And then he also said his case for Horvat being captain is built partially because of, uh, of Horvat's will to fight, to be a fighter, to drop the gloves. Wow, what a conversation, man. What a conversation. Speaks his mind. David Quadrelli. Check his workout. And I think his handle on Twitter is Quadrelli. I don't know how much he paid for that. How was that not taken before? Is he the only Quadrelli in the world? That's a grab. That's a cop. Congratulations. Congratulations. Now, before we get to the end of the episode and we do that little read, I got to say one thing. Brandon Sutter is not leaving. He's not getting traded. It doesn't matter what team has injured centers. If it's Pittsburgh or any other team that loses three centers. Brandon Sutter is not getting traded. How do you go to your owner if you're the other 30 general managers and tell him you need Brandon Sutter? This is his cap hit. He's injury, he's injury prone. We got to make this deal. That owner must not watch hockey. Doesn't know what a stick is. Hey, it's an honest take. Teams are teams are already at the cap. And their teams are not even that good. And then you got to sign these young guys quicker than you thought to, to big money deals. And now that TV contract is, is not coming as soon as we, we thought. I'm sure more information will come, come about soon. But it's not looking like it'll come next year. Money is very valuable. Brandon Sutter gets paid a lot. He has to prove that he's worth that amount. For for him to be obtainable by any other team. That's how much he's making. And again. (laughs) Come on. Nobody is trading for him. Would you trade? Come on. I'm seeing tweets today. Malkin Hurt. Bustad Hurt. I know Jim Rutherford. He's (laughs) Hey, Jim Rutherford probably made, yeah, 
bottom five or top five, wherever, however you phrase it, worst contract. Worst contract. One of them, Jack Johnson, why? Nobody was going to do that. Incredible, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Let's run the read. And further details of this continuing story. That is what we'll do. We'll call this segment The Read. We'll pay tribute to the educational masterpiece, which is The Read. Shout out to the Loudspeaker Network. Good podcast, good show. In this segment, The Read on Sipping on a 40, we'll go over the book, 100 Things Canucks Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. I sounded like I almost died there. <laughs> this is written by Thomas Drance and Mike Halford. And the foreword is by John Garrett, Cheech. Now wait, 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 wait. I just said Cheech because that's the dude's nickname. The guy's from Vancouver. He, he's a color commentator working in the game of hockey. Again, in Vancouver, called Cheech. Is there a fucking side story to this? Is, is that thing in this book? Cheech. That guy's got that nickname? Legendary. Shout out to Cheech. Hey, shout out to Marcus Naslin too. This is part 19, a.k.a. Thing 19. Vancouver's hockey fans. A rambunctious history. In the early 1970s, two singular events, one that directly involved the Canucks game and one that did not stand out for how they foreshadowed the emergence of the Vancouver hockey markets. <clears throat> Peculiar characteristics. Did you like my, <clears throat> I almost said a hum. But let's be real, this city does have peculiar characteristics, especially about how they deal with the, uh, with the game of hockey. Thanks for listening to Sippin' on a 40. Shout the Nux Misconduct and SB Nation. Go get the network, you get three shows. One swipe, one tap, it doesn't matter. Get the Nux Misconduct Network, you get the quickie, you get Sippin' on a 40, and you get Silky and Filthy. Boom, bam. And just like that, your life will change. Have a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening. I do not know when you're listening to this, but I appreciate it. Peace. <laughs>